0: The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. The statistics are frightening. The medical profession and insurance companies estimate that sickness and disease will be a devastating issue confronted, they claim, by every family. So living in our tense, threatening world is an emotional and physical challenge. We need to stay well to be overcomers. And one of my favorite spiritual heroes of the 20th century, the great Chinese faith apostle, Watchman Nee, was asked the following question. Why do symptoms reappear of a disease that I've already overcome? Well, with the help of writings from Watchman Nee and others, we're going to explore some of the insights into the subject of divine healing. <music> Hello, I'm Christine Dark. Sickness and disease can be overcome, but our faith is often tested if the symptoms of that sickness return at a later date. Watchman Nee accomplished major exploits for the church in China. He established countless churches, held many conferences to strengthen believers, and he published extensive Christian literature. He possessed much revelation concerning biblical healing. Nee changed the spiritual landscape in the largest nation on earth, but he also influenced many believers in the West. In studying his life, I've experienced spiritual revival, thanks to his biblical teachings, and I highly recommend his book, The Normal Christian Life. Watchman Nee lived during the repressive Chinese Communist regime of Chairman Mao Tse-tung. The Chinese tried to silence his voice and to influence him by putting him into prison for 20 years for the remainder of his life. But Watchman Nee's books are still read and studied all over the world today, and his influence is greater than ever. When it comes to sickness, Nee taught that it doesn't matter whether your temperature is high or low. Learn to trust in God's Word and not in the symptom. A Chinese co-worker of Watchman Nee overcame the dreaded disease of tuberculosis, After his healing, he asked Watchman Nee, why do the symptoms of tuberculosis from time to time reappear? And how do I overcome them? Brother Nee gave the following answer. He said, God must be testing your faith. He said, learn to trust in God's word and the symptom will change. It'll disappear. Concerning the matter of healing, Nee said that we must pay attention to three things. Number one, never tempt God. Two, don't just automatically accept the symptom. And three, believe always that the Lord's grace is sufficient. Nee mentioned the New Testament account of Paul's protege, Timothy. Timothy apparently suffered from a chronic stomach ailment and in those days, water sources were easily polluted and unsanitary. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 23, Paul said to Timothy, Don't continue drinking only water, but use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent infirmities. Wine is medicinal and has a warming effect to help the blood circulation. Now, Paul certainly possessed the gift of healing, and Timothy himself was gifted, yet he suffered from a stomach infirmity. Nee's observation is that God had apparently not given a specific word in Timothy's case. Of course, we could argue that we always have this logos, and that's the written word of God, to fall back on. For example, for healing... Timothy could have turned to Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, where God says, I am the Lord, your physician who heals you. He could have, of course, appropriated the healing stripes of Jesus in the atonement. But in order to really believe God for healing, we need a specific word. It's called a rhema. That is a word that comes to us or has been enlightened to us by the Holy Spirit. You see, Romans 10, 17 mentions the rhema word. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema word, that is by a specific word of God. So watchman, he explained, Timothy couldn't just say, it doesn't matter whether I drink water or wine, that would be tempting God. He shouldn't drink polluted water. But Nee said that if I have God's word on a matter of healing, I don't need to worry even about the law of sanitation. Now look, for example, in Luke chapter 6 at the man with a withered hand. Because the Lord had spoken a word to him, he didn't wait until the symptom changed to believe that he was healed. He could ignore the symptom. The Lord told him to stretch forth his hand, and so he stretched forth his hand and was instantly healed. The Lord's word is dependable. The symptom is not. Likewise, in the Gospels, the paralytic in Mark chapter 2 didn't wait until he was stronger before picking up his bed and walking. The Lord told him to pick up his bed and walk, so that's what he did. When you've got the Lord's Word, you don't need to check your pulse or to see if your fever has gone up or if it's gone down. You don't need a blood test. In other words, you don't have to fear sickness or disease. Washman Nee testified about his own healing. At one point in his life, he was deathly ill. Then one day, God sent his Word to heal him. And he said, I only knew that I must take care of God's word and not my symptom. Oh, I loved that part of his testimony because he apprehended that the most important thing to do is to watch over and to guard God's word and not the symptoms. But with 99% of people, it's just the opposite. Most unbelieving believers, I have to say, tend to coddle the symptoms while neglecting God's Word. But if God says, I'm healed, then His Word has definitely stopped the illness. And then if we continue to look at the sickness and the symptoms, God's Word loses its effectiveness. So Nee's secret was that he was neither delighted if his fever went down, nor was he nervous if his fever went up, because his eyes weren't on his temperature or on a blood test His eyes were on God's word. Whether the temperature was high or low, whether his blood count was normal or abnormal, these were not the measure of what the Lord was doing. Only the Lord is Lord. And he said, learn to laugh at the temperature. Learn to laugh at the symptoms. And I call this the laugh of faith. Only God's word is real. He said the symptom is false. Not that the symptom doesn't exist, but its claim over you against God's word is false. Can you see that? If you accept the authority of God's word, symptoms cannot dominate you. Now, when God says it's over, it's over, but not until God says it's over. Concerning his own healing testimony, Nee said that at first he also couldn't believe that he had been healed because he didn't have God's sure word on the matter. But one day God's word came to him. You know, it says in the Psalms, in Psalm 107, God sent forth his word and healed them from their destructions. So one day God sent his word to him. And even though the symptoms persisted and humanly speaking, were very serious, he was no longer concerned and anxious. Nee had the presence of mind to just rise up in prayer and to ask the Lord to rebuke the symptoms if they were false. And a few hours later, the illness was completely gone. You see, if you have God's word, you can ignore the symptom. Treat the symptom as a temptation and a lie. Don't stay with the symptoms, stay with the Word. I believe, according to God's Word, that there's no illness in the world that a believer cannot overcome with a specific rhema Word of God. The name of Jesus is greater than any of the most dreaded diseases. And if you have the Lord's Word, don't be concerned about symptoms. Believe that God is faithful be strengthened by contacting God's Word, not by seeking necessarily the removal of the symptom. To summarize what I've been sharing so far, Watchman E said three things should be noted. Number one, if you act without God's Word, you may tempt God. Secondly, if you have God's Word, you don't need to be concerned about the symptoms. And number three, if God's Word doesn't heal you immediately, that His grace will be sufficient for you. Ne often looked heavenward and confessed, He is God. So let's take our eyes off of symptoms and always look to the Almighty, who is our miracle worker and sustainer. I've known of many believers who function quite normally doing the work of the Lord, even with symptoms in their body, because God's grace and enabling power are sufficient. If we believe and don't doubt eventually the symptoms will disappear and one day we'll just wake up and realize hey the symptoms have vanished and that's exactly what happened to john g lake who was a great apostle to south africa lake is also credited with originating the concept of the healing rooms in the united states lake had suffered nine years from a disease and He said all of his family members were sickly. He testified that he made a decision that he was going to put his trust entirely in the Lord as his healer. And Lake didn't fully realize what he had done, but in effect he had cut himself off forever from the help of man. He had separated himself unto God. And after making his decision to trust only the Lord as his healer, Lake went about his normal duties and at some point, to his surprise, he just awoke to the fact that he was perfectly well after nine years of illness. That, my friends, is the secret and the value of making a definite committal to the healing message that the Bible teaches. We must receive the Lord as healer, not as an experiment. I'd like to stop here for a moment and ask you, have you ever committed yourself to the Lord as your healer? Not just your savior from your sins, but also your healer from sickness and disease. Has there been a definite transaction with the Lord in your life concerning the vital issue of divine health? Do you trust the Lord only with your soul? What about your body? The great church leader and missionary, A.B. Simpson, said the consecration of the health of our bodies to the Lord ought to be a deliberate devotional act. After all, there must be a time when we commit our souls to the Lord, and likewise, there should be a definite moment when we receive the Lord as our great physician in a very deliberate decision. If you've been playing with the idea of healing, stop experimenting and wavering and decide to believe God and to take God at His word. The devil always wants us to panic and not to trust the Lord, our healer, but the Lord expects us to trust Him. I want you to think about a Bible fact for a moment, and that is for centuries the people of Israel had no other doctor than the Lord. King David's descendant, King Asa, made a decision to consult the physicians. This decision to consult physicians was so out of the ordinary that it's recorded in 2 Chronicles 16. David's son, King Solomon, had indulged in pagan wives from Egypt, and those wives introduced pagan practices of medicine into Jerusalem. So David's and Solomon's descendant, King Asa, who otherwise was a good king, abandoned his trust in the Lord and healer, and instead Asa took up with the medicine men. The Bible records that he was diseased in his feet and he forgot to seek God and to trust God, and instead he sought the physicians. And so he died. So, We do thank the Lord for the marvels of modern medicine, but if doctors become preeminent in our life, if we consult them and forget to consult the Lord, that can become a form of idolatry. If you're not a believer in God, then doctors and drugs, of course, are your only recourse. But the Lord will bring believers into situations where only He can deliver us and heal us, so that He becomes our all-in-all, and He will receive the glory. With the possibilities of biological terrorism and some staph infections that resist antibiotics, it's time to get serious and to know the Lord, our healer. Divine health is superior to divine healing. The Bible promises the renewing of our youth. It's an aspect of divine health mentioned in Psalm 103. Verse 5 declares that the Lord satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. It's well known that the eagle molts and gets new feathers and even new body parts. Well, the healing of Job, who suffered a terrible illness, is described in Job chapter 33 and verse 25. It says, His flesh shall be fresher than a child's, and he shall return to the days of his youth. This spoke of Job's restoration to health. The recovery of his skin fresher than a child's described the healing of Job's leprous-like disease. He shall return to the days of his youth spoke of the restoration of his youthful vigor, as in the prime of his life. In our pursuit of divine healing, let's look at one of the most beloved psalms, Psalm 91. I read that according to the Jerusalem Talmud, reciting Psalm 91 was considered to be a prescription for healing and for spiritual warfare. Psalm 91 mentions 23 promises to gain full dominion that we lost when Adam fell, including divine health. Psalm 91 begins, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The word dwells here in Hebrew is yeshab, meaning to settle in the sense of possessing a homestead and resisting all claim jumpers, including the greatest claim jumper, the devil himself. Continuing with verse 2, it says, You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Only with your eyes will you look and see the reward of the wicked. So, here we're told that no plague is going to come near our dwelling. So, this psalm promises a place of safety. But some people are afraid even to leave their homes. But the New Testament assures us in Acts chapter 17 and verse 28 that in Messiah we live and move and have our being. So, let's get a hold of that verse. If we're moving and living in him, that means our dwelling place is like a mobile home and we're continually safe in him, dwelling in the Lord's presence moment by moment, no matter where we are physically in this world, as long as we're in his holy will and purpose. Now, verse 14 of Psalm 91 promises, because he has set his love upon me, Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. This verse tells us how important, how vital, how critical it is that we know the wonderful covenant names of our Lord. And one of his names is Yehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer, the Lord, our physician. God binds himself by covenants, and healing is one of God's covenant promises. The Lord our healer has put himself on record, and he signed his signature in the Bible with his covenant name in Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26. This covenant is more than healing, it's divine health. Oh, how wonderful and how truly liberating it is to live free from the fear of sickness and disease even in an age of potential biological terrorism. Now I want to speak for a moment about accomplishing exploits for the Lord, which we're promised as believers to do in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32. A minister of the gospel must be daring. We must believe that the presence of the Lord will back up his claims concerning healing and deliverance. We must be willing as believers to stand up and be counted concerning the healing ministry. The first public healing meeting that I held was in Jesus' birthplace in Bethlehem with an Arabic translator. I preached salvation and it looked like everybody in the place raised their hands to receive Jesus. But then I went beyond the salvation prayer, the point where my father of blessed memory would have stopped with the salvation prayer. I not only preached salvation to those in Bethlehem, but I also continued to preach healing. I stuck my neck out on the promises of God, and to my surprise, genuine healings took place. I'd already previously laid hands on a Palestinian Muslim patriarch who was healed of lung cancer. He no longer needed surgery, and for the remainder of his life, He was also delivered from cigarettes. The devil tried to convince me that healing wouldn't work, but he's a liar. And it takes boldness to stand up in public and to tell somebody and to declare that Jesus is alive and that he still heals today. But somebody's got to do it for the sake of people. I've had enough experiences to know that the Lord is alive and he's faithful to his word. His promises are 100% true. Sometimes people write to me or tell me years later that they were healed in one of our services in the UK or Israel, Egypt, Pakistan, the Philippines or India in the many places where we've held healing campaigns. You see, many fail to testify and to give God the glory. Sometimes people are too timid But the woman in the Gospels, who suffered from the issue of blood, was challenged by Jesus when she was healed. He turned around and said, who touched me? And do you think she would have retained her healing if she had denied it? You see, virtue had gone out of the body of the Lord into her body. The healing ministry is physically draining. It takes a lot of work and stamina. Perhaps that's one reason why some ministers don't preach healing. But people have so many needs, and it takes a lot of work and patience to minister properly to people to see that they're healed. Another problem is that many people want a quick fix. They want you to lay hands on them for relief and for healing, but many don't want to stop sinning. However, unless they change their lifestyles and repent, The healing simply will not stick. There's also a protocol in ministry that I want to mention. Jesus wondered why only one leper who was healed had returned to thank him. And he told the formerly demon-possessed man to go home and tell everybody what the Lord had done for him. Well, Gordon Lindsay, founder of Christ for the Nations in Texas, and the father of my Israeli friend, Shira sokoram Ram, wrote the following statements about healing protocol in one of his books. And I feel it's important to share these principles with you. Gordon Lindsay wrote, The individual is under obligation, first of all, to return to those under whose ministry he has been healed and to give public thanks to God. If distance makes this impossible, let him at least write his testimony. Nine lepers who were healed failed to return to give glory to God. The next time some sick folk are heard from is when they are sick again. Few people realize God's attitude towards ingratitude. Perhaps it's the sin of the age. If an affliction should return after someone has experienced a deliverance, let him ask, Did I return and give thanks to God? When the visible part of the disease has gone, public testimony should be made. Well, before I go, I'd like to invite you to make a proclamation of salvation And healing. I think that's important as we draw this program to a conclusion. Say with me, Heavenly Father, I have put my trust in your Son for salvation, but now I dare to make a deliberate act of consecration to entrust my spirit, soul, and body into His primary care. Lord, be my primary care physician of my spirit, soul, and body in Yeshua's name. Amen. I'm praying that you had the faith to do that. I don't in any way want to denigrate the wonderful advances in medicine and the skills of dedicated doctors and nurses who work tirelessly to help patients restore their bodies to health. What I share with you is a faith walk to overcome sickness. The problem for so many is to Rush to the doctor as a first line of defense, and then only turn to God as something of a last resort. I have been an eyewitness to incredible healings during the gospel meetings of evangelist Reinhard Bonnke. As a man of faith, he would remind listeners that just about every person buried in the cemetery has probably gone to see a doctor beforehand. Physicians are the first to admit that they can only do so much to conquer the sickness and diseases that confront us. That's why standing firm in your faith should be an integral part to overcome these things. As I like to remind everyone, call on Dr. Jesus as your primary care physician. He makes house calls 24 hours a day, and there's no charge. Hallelujah. Well, if you have any prayer requests, I invite you to contact me on the social media or be sure to visit our website, exploits.tv, where you can watch all of our videos anytime and read also our insider news from Israel. And so until next time, praying for the peace of Jerusalem and contending for the faith, including healing, I'm Christine Darg. Shalom. You and I have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And what a time we're living in. New waves of anti-Semitic hatred have exploded in Europe. And speaking of explosions, the Middle East and much of North and Central Africa have erupted into a shocking level of barbarism and brutality. We can read about the saints of the past and be inspired by their great faith and testimonies but in all our own human frailty and weakness. This is our generation to shine for the Lord and to be His witnesses, first here in Jerusalem, and then throughout Judea and Samaria, and on to the ends of the earth. That's why I encourage you to join us here at the Jerusalem channel for biblical insights and teaching to prepare yourself to be courageous disciples going forth into our ever-darkened and troubled world. And please tell your friends about how they can join us online at our website, exploits.tv, or through any TV set using a simple device like the Roku Box, Google Chrome, and Amazon Fire. The Jerusalem Channel is entirely viewer-supported So we very much appreciate your being a part of this prophetic ministry. There's a simple donate button on the website where you can make a gift by credit card or PayPal. If you're in the USA, you can also call our toll-free prayer line at 1-888-245-2692. In the UK, our national number is 843 557 I'm so glad we can spend this time together through the Jerusalem channel and thank you for being a part of what we're doing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom.